You know, we are going to be talking about peace the next several weeks during this Advent season. And we live in a culture and in a world that is just consumed with the opposite of peace, with stress and anxiety and worry. And our lives are so packed full of things to worry about. The holidays only add to the stress. How in the world am I going to get my cards out? How in the world am I getting all those presents bought? How in the world am I going to get my house decorated? The end of the year brings its own stress. How in the world am I going to get this project finished before the year ends? How am I going to pay all these bills? Then there's always that statement that we make to ourselves somewhere by the mall. I love crowds. I love traffic. This is special. What a nice time. You know, you know that some days are better than others. And occasionally you get kind of a hint that this day is just going to go in the wrong direction and be truly rotten. You know the day is going to be bad when you get up and you flip on the TV and they're showing escape routes out of the city. And then you put your contacts on to try and see a little bit better and you mistakenly put both lenses in the same eye. You start driving to work and your horn goes off mysteriously and won't undo itself, though you're following a group of Hell's Angels on the freeway. You pull up to work and there's a CBS 60 Minutes news crew right outside your office. You walk into the office and the boss tells you, don't bother taking off your coat. And the bird singing outside happens to be a buzzard. You know it's not going to be a very good day. Well, how can we find true peace in the midst of a life that so often is filled with just the opposite? Because many of us have very real concerns. Most of us here have something that we truly are struggling with. This series, looking at peace on earth, is so appropriate during Advent. Jesus came announcing that he, in fact, was the Prince of Peace. Next week, Dr. Richard Mao, the president of Fuller Theological Seminary, who happens to be a member of our church, is going to be talking about how do we achieve peace with those we know. The week after, George Hinman, our pastor of discipleship, will be talking about how do we find peace with those we don't know. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll be looking at this whole theme of peace on earth. But this morning, we're going to ask the question, how can we find peace with ourselves? If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah, the 26th chapter. Isaiah 26, it's page 569 in your pew Bible. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to stand and read verses 3 and 4 together to start with. Isaiah chapter 26. Verses 3 through 9, but let's begin simply by reading verses 3 and 4. And as we read, we do well to pay attention to what we read, because this is the very Word of God. Beginning in verse 3. Those of steadfast mind you keep in peace, in peace because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord God you have an everlasting rock. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but believe it or not, what we just read never will pass away. This word says. God said that to us. Let's pray and then we'll continue to see what this has to say to us. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you this day. The one who is called the rock, we ask it in his name. Amen. Please be seated. This quest for inner peace seems to be a universal quest. It's something that is so prevalent in our society. 
In fact, in preparation for this morning's sermon, I did a simple Google search on finding inner peace, and instantaneously, Google didn't let me down. I had 2,430,000 hits for finding inner peace. Now, so many of them were just bizarre counterfeits and cheap imitations of what it really means to find that lasting inner peace that God's Word promises us. There was the whole realm of meditation. Meditation isn't bad, but we have to ask ourselves the question, on what? There was a whole section on visualization. In fact, you could buy little images to visualize to find some peace. There was hypnosis as one suggestion. Yes, that might work. You could buy energy pouches or take herbal supplements to find inner peace. Getting a massage was a good way, I think, to find inner peace. But my personal favorite, and I kid you not, I can't make this up, was belly dancing your way to inner peace. <laughs> Another article I came across said the way to find inner peace is to simply finish what you start. And so I went home and I found an unfinished bag of Doritos. I finished that. I finished some Mother's Animal Iced Cookies, those red and white ones. Finished those. Finished last season's 13 episodes of 24. I was feeling really good for about five minutes. And then I started worrying about all the time I'd wasted, all the cholesterol I'd just ingested, and how in the world was I going to be able to run next Saturday. There's so many counterfeits out there. This morning I want to discuss three common viruses that rob us of any form of peace with ourselves, and the biblical antidote for each. The three viruses, anxiety, guilt, and clutter, bring everything but personal peace. The first virus is what I'll call a heart full of anxiety. Having a heart full of anxiety. There's so much to be anxious about, from the small things about when we park our car in a bad neighborhood or we don't put enough change in the meter and we, we just sit there in that meeting just kind of stressed not knowing what we're going to find when we get back to the bigger things, wondering how we're going to pay our bills, knowing that our company is about to downsize, having significant family stress or maybe a deep relationship crisis, things that bring tremendous anxiety and leave us in this place of deep concern and worry, maybe even doubt. Or despair. One of the viruses that spreads like a disease and robs us of any peace within is this virus of anxiety. Yet we keep trudging on, kind of surrounding ourselves with all these bizarre substitutes and cheap imitations, trying to find peace in all these strange places, maybe even belly dancing. This passage that we're looking at this morning, Isaiah 26, is preceded by several chapters where God, through the prophet Isaiah, is rebuking His people because they've sought to find peace in all the wrong places. They've sought to find peace in making political alliances with other nations rather than trusting in Yahweh. They're trusting in their own strength and ability. They're trying to find peace by avoiding conflict or running away from their problems. Sound familiar? What does God's Word say? Well, the word that was used in ancient times, biblical times, the Greek word was arene, and it literally meant simply the absence of war. That was what peace was, the absence of war. But you and I know that the Bible seemed to take this word peace and expand it to a whole new definition. And we, we come across this Hebrew word shalom. Shalom. And you would wish shalom on someone when they came to your house. It was literally wishing God's peace 
to be with them. In fact, sometimes we do that in our church traditions. The peace of Christ be with you and also with you. You were wishing far more than the absence of war on someone's life. You were wishing upon them a wholeness. And any good Jew would know that that wholeness ultimately came from Yahweh alone. What is the biblical antidote for this virus of anxiety? It sounds ridiculously simple. It's trust and pray. It's been said that worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. And someone noted that of the things we tend to worry about, about 40% of those things are things that will never happen. Another 30% are things from our past that we can't change. Another 12% are criticism from others, most of which is untrue. Another 10% is worrying about our health, which only gets worse the more we stress and worry, which leaves only about 8% of our anxiety that is actually about things we may in fact have to face. Turn again to Isaiah 26.3 and look at what Isaiah says, inspired by God. He says in verse 3, Those of steadfast mind you will keep in peace, in peace because they trust in you. Maybe you grew up knowing the old King James Version. Thou wilt keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is steadfast. Why? Because they trust in you. The biblical antidote for the virus of anxiety is trust. And this trust manifests itself in honest, heartfelt prayer. And this is not something that's just Pollyanna. It's not ignoring your problems, just kind of hoping they go away, but it's honestly bringing them before God and trusting His perfect peace and His perfect will to be done in your life. You're probably familiar with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's one of the greatest verses on peace as related to anxiety and stress. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Perhaps the best cinematic depiction of this kind of prayer was in the movie Romero. I'm not sure how many of you saw it, but I think someone from this congregation actually was involved about 20, 30 years ago when this first was made. The story is of one Archbishop Oscar Romero during his tenure as Archbishop of El Salvador down in Salvador during the late 70s and early 1980s. There's a brutal regime and the country is on the verge of civil war, much of it funded by our wonderful nation, which is perhaps the topic of another sermon. But some 3,000 people would be found brutally murdered and tortured every month. And Romero was caught in the midst of this dilemma. On one hand, he knew God's word that says as a leader of the church, he was called to speak up for the voiceless and to uphold the cause of justice. On the other hand, the very powers that be that put him into place put him into place because he was a bookworm and they hoped he wouldn't ruffle any feathers and just kind of let things go. And on the other hand, he had his very own priests that understood God's word to the point that we need to defend the cause of injustice even to the point of perhaps picking up arms where liberation theology got a lot of its birth and roots. 
And here Romero is caught in the midst of this very stress-filled, very anxious situation. And it reached ahead at one point when his very goddaughter was found brutally raped and murdered. And Romero ran out into the middle of this field and he fell down on his knees and he prayed this simple but very real prayer. I can't. You must show me the way. Romero's problems did not go away. He didn't all of a sudden have this nirvana existence where there was nothing to be anxious about. But something transformational happened in his heart. From that point forward, he was a brand new person and led that country with such passion and such conviction, he ultimately lost his life because of it. God doesn't promise to take us out of our problems, but he promises to give us that peace that surpasses all comprehension that will guard our hearts and our minds and change us into the person that he's called us to be. And sometimes the stakes are darn high. The biblical antidote to overcome the virus of anxiety is to learn to trust fully the one who made us and to come to him regularly in heartfelt, honest prayer. The second virus that robs us of our peace is what I'll call a conscience full of guilt. A conscience full of guilt. It's ignoring that inner voice of conviction inside of us. It's when we know that we need to do something, but we avoid it. We know that we need to forgive someone, but we just can't bring ourselves to do it. We know that we shouldn't have done the very thing we did, but just sit back and watch how quickly we repeat it. And inside there's conviction. There's remorse. There's guilt over unrepentant past sins and especially over current habitual sin in our lives. And most of us do stupid things over and over again then scratch our heads wondering why we don't feel any inner peace inside. Now, in the category of probably too much information, I have a bit of a lactose intolerance or sensitivity. On the other hand, I love nachos, especially Baja Cantina nachos down in the marina. It's somewhat profoundly amazing to realize how often Megan and I will go down to Baja Cantina, have a massive plate of nachos, when I know it's going to bring the opposite of inner peace to my digestive tract. And yet we do this over and over again. Why do we make life so hard on ourselves? We have a place up in Sun Valley, Idaho, and occasionally we'll go up there for the holidays. Mark's being gone. I guess we're not going this year. Um, (laughs) But there are a couple of ways you can get to Idaho. The easy way is to fly. My cousin actually has a private jet. That's the most easy way. We got to do that once. But normally we, on the pastor's salary, drive. And as we drive, it's helpful if we pay attention to the car, make sure the tires are full of air, make sure the oil's been changed recently, maybe even call ahead to Caltrans or Nevada Trans or whatever it is that you go through Nevada, and make sure that the roads aren't under construction or all messed up. It's pretty smooth sailing if you do that, usually. It's a long drive, but it usually goes pretty well. Another way is to kind of not pay any attention to the car. In fact, maybe even just kind of let a little air out of the tire, because, you know, you get a higher elevation, they might get bigger or something. You know, to maybe drain a little oil, because who needs all that oil anyway? You know, to 
pay, not pay any attention to the road conditions, the fact that they're filling all the ruts and the potholes on your way, and maybe you could have taken a different route, it's going to be a very different drive up to Idaho. You know what? We do the same things figuratively in our lives all the time. We figuratively let the air out of our tires. We drain our oil. Heck, we even get out there and dig our own potholes. We do these stupid things, and can we really expect to find inner peace? The second major virus that robs this inner peace is ignoring that inner voice of conviction of our lives and living with a conscience that's just full of guilt. And the biblical antidote for this guilt is obedience. It's the pursuit of righteousness. Look at verse 7 and through 9 of Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, that same chapter we've been in, verse 7. It says, The way of the righteous is level. O just one, you make the smooth the path of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the soul's desire. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. What's that saying? It's saying, you want to have a smooth road? You want a level path? Not that troubles magically go away, but you want the strength to go through them? Then seek to live righteously in obedience to God's Word. And Isaiah is prompting us to say, do you hunger for it? Do you yearn for it in the middle of the night? You want to eliminate the virus of guilt? Then you and I have to stop our patterns of self-sabotage. We've got to plow smooth those rutted places in our lives and fill up by God's grace those potholes in our lives. And we've got to seek to learn to live righteously in obedience to this, His holy word. The third and final virus that robs us of our inner peace is having a life that's full of clutter. Our lives are so chaotic at times. And we so consistently fill our lives with all sorts of crazy stuff. We keep this insane pace and we give in to just the busyness and we expect to have peace. There's so much noise in our lives, figuratively and literally. We can't get away from our Blackberries or our cell phones or our iPods and we expect to have peace. We fill our lives and we kind of mindlessly don't even pay attention to the kinds of things we listen to, the kinds of images we expose ourselves to, the kind of books we fill our brains with. Some of you students are going, amen to that. And we expect to have peace. The biblical antidote for this virus of clutter is to fill it instead with God's Word. You've heard the phrase, garbage in, garbage out. The Bible preaches the concept of sowing and reaping. That whatever we sow, that we will also reap. And it's amazing, if we fill our lives and our minds with clutter, we can't expect peace within. I'm fairly ashamed to admit that the other night, Megan and I went to go see a movie that I'd like to say we went to go see Borat as research for this sermon, but that would be a lie. I could tell you that we went with one of our elders and his wife, and though that would be true, that would no way justify why we went. And there were some seriously funny images and funny scenes in that movie. But there were also some seriously sick images that I just do not need to be thinking about, and nor do you. And if you haven't seen it, go, don't go see it. 
There's an alternative. It's to fill yourself with God's Word. The longest chapter in the Bible, in the longest book of the Bible, is Psalm 119. It's 176 verses. It's broken down into 21 different sections, each of them preceded by one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And in this beautifully poetic giant acrostic, the first word of each section begins with that specific letter. And what it does is verbally and even figuratively, the way it's painted and portrayed and and given to us shows that this is something that is amazing. It's ordained by God. And the psalmist in verse 11 says, God, your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Turn to Psalm 119. We need to read this together. Psalm 119, not the whole chapter, don't worry. Psalm 119, page 497 on your pew Bible. Psalm 119, verse 165. 165. Let's read this out loud together. Listen to what this says. Beginning in verse 165, just that verse. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. That's amazing. That is amazing. Do you believe that? You know what? There are certain things in life that we cannot escape. If you have toddlers, if one of these beautiful children was yours, life is going to at times be a little chaotic. The key is peace in the midst of the storm, even if life does not slow down even if things do head south. It's not living in nirvana land, levitating above real-world problems, but it's being filled with God's sustaining promises and His Word. The antidote for clutter is to meditate deeply on God's Word in a consistent way. Now, I mentioned that these Google hits had a lot of talk about meditation, but there's a counterfeit form of meditation. It's that whole Eastern mysticism garbage. It's a nice word. Because it says that the way to meditate is to empty yourself. The difference is that Christian meditation, that we should not be afraid of at all, is not emptying yourself, but it's filling yourself. It's filling yourself with God and His Word. God's Word is the ultimate antidote for us. It's the only true road that leads to lasting, enduring inner peace. And it helps us overcome those things that rob us of that peace. If you're here this morning and you need to hear a word of encouragement, overcoming concern for what other people might be able to do to you, you need to hear God's Word that encourages us of His constant presence. What Moses said to the children of Israel before they went in the promised land, they were afraid of what people could do to them. And in Deuteronomy 31, Moses said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to overcome dread that God is somehow out to get you, that that you've done something that He will never forgive. You need the encouragement that God's Word teaches us that He loves us desperately and tenderly. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He removes our transgressions from us. 
You need help overcoming insecurities because really you look yourself in the mirror and you just don't feel all that good. You need to hear God's word that reminds us of our true identity. Check out Isaiah cha- or Ephesians chapter 1. There's so many statements of our identity. Ephesians 1 calls us chosen, holy, blameless, adopted as His child, beloved, redeemed, forgiven, heirs, destined, sealed, God's very own. And that is not a picture of what you're going to be. That is a picture of how God sees you right now if you are in Christ. And that is the good news of the Gospel. You need to overcome worry and fear of the future. You need to hear God's Word that gives hope for tomorrow. And Jesus' own words in John chapter 14 where He told His disciples and He tells us, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. The story is told of a man who was looking for the perfect painting of peace. And because he couldn't find one, he decided to hold a giant contest. And he invited artists from all over the land to paint pictures of peace. And the day came and they started unveiling the paintings. And one by one were just these beautiful, tranquil scenes that that seemed to depict peace so well. And the crowd was just in awe. At the end, there were two paintings left and the veils hadn't been taken off those. And so there was a lot of expectation. And they took the veil off one of the two and there was this smooth, still, tranquil lake with these wispy birch trees just kind of hanging into the lake. There was this beautiful kind of sky, you know, when it turns all sorts of different colors. And on the side of a hill was this flock of sheep just grazing. And you you thought, man, it's got to be the winner. What What a great scene of peace. But there was one more. They took that cover off that last painting. And the crowd looked at it and said, is this peace? Because there was this rocky precipice and this just tumultuous waterfall cascading over the cliff. And it was painted so real and lifelike, you almost felt like you could feel the chill and the spray. There were these dark clouds that looked like they were just ready to explode with lightning and thunder. And there was this just ridiculously scroggly tree kind of hanging out in front of the, in front of the waterfall. And then there was this branch that was extending right to almost where the water was spraying on it. Almost like it was taunting the waterfall. And there in the elbow of this branch was this nest. And a little bird sitting on her eggs, covering them safely with her wings with her eyes closed. The winner was hands down. See, God's Word does not promise that we escape the waterfalls and the tumults in our lives. But He promises His perfect peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of what we go through. If finding peace is something that you desperately hunger for, I do. But it's been a long time coming. I leave you this morning by begging you to hold me accountable. And I'll try and hold you accountable. We need to hold each other accountable to do three things. First, to come to God daily in this trust-filled, honest prayer. He can take it. He can take it. You don't need to mince words. Secondly, to resolve to stop these patterns of self-sabotage and to learn to live obediently. 
pursuing his righteousness. And finally, to meditate deeply and regularly on this, his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you provide that peace that truly does surpass all comprehension. And it's that very peace that's able to guard our hearts and our minds in your Son, Christ Jesus. We ask God, I ask for myself, I ask for my brothers and sisters here, that we would not allow this Advent season to just become another episode of chaos in our lives. But we would slow down and drink deeply from the well of your word. We'd spend time on our knees in trustful surrender to you. And God, we would cease doing the very things that rob us of that peace. Be with us. Strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, continue in our worship now as we give back something of all the abundance that you've blessed us with. And we continue in praise and in offering. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.